0: Welcome to the Student Sessions with Tonya Galati, brought to you by Greyhair Media. In this series, Tonya is joined by role models who share their lived experiences in frank and honest conversations. We all need to be inspired, and understanding how those we look up to have been inspired themselves is an important journey of discovery. Come with us for a frank, unedited conversation with amazing people. Today, Tonya is talking with Nea Modley. Nia is a final year psychology undergraduate student with a passion and enthusiasm for destigmatizing mental health illnesses and encouraging a conversation that we all too often silence. Having been in recovery for five years from anorexia and bulimia, she is determined to use her pain and learnings to help make something good out of an incredibly dark time. She offers insight and wisdom through spoken word poetry that she shares online and hopes to one day train as a clinical psychologist.
1: Hi and welcome to the student sessions with me Tonya. Today I'm joined by Nia. Hi Nia. Hello how are you? I'm well thanks how are you? I'm good thank you. Thanks for joining us on the student sessions. Where are you dialing in from?
2: Um, So I'm dialing in from Exeter um, where I'm currently in my third year at university. And for all of our listeners we are
1: still in a global pandemic and we are currently locked down for the third time aren't we Nia?
2: We are indeed, unfortunately. We've <laughs>
1: just been speaking about what, how many times we can have a clear out because actually we're running out <laughs> of things to do, but it is what it is. So um, tell us a little bit about yourself, Nia.
2: Yes, so I, um, yes, like I said, I'm in my final year at Exeter. Um, I'm studying psychology. Um, which I'm absolutely loving. Um, I am a cold water swimming fanatic. Um, oh, you? I got into, yeah, I got into this time last year. Um, oh God, that's a of choice. Of it, <laughs> I know. We went for a swim last Friday, and it was Baltic. But um, yes, I love it. Yes, so I love swimming. I love the outdoors. Um, I really want to pursue something with psychology later down the line. Um, okay. I would love to go on and be a clinical psychologist. But you've got to go on and do a PhD. So I'm thinking I might take a few years out. I'm hoping the world might open up and I might be able to go travelling a little bit. Um, So, yeah, that's kind of where I am at right now.
1: Brilliant. Well, it sounds like you've kind of, you know what direction you're going in and what you want to do. Had you always wanted to study psychology or is it something like a gradual passion?
2: No, it's really funny, actually. So I applied to Exeter to do um, economics and I got a place to do economics. I did economics um, A-level and absolutely loved my economics teacher. And I remember, I think, as the way is, a lot of the time when people go to university, they're like, okay, I want to go to university. I don't really know what to to study. I'll just pick something. And I was like, okay, well, I'll pick economics. It's fairly transferable. I kind of find it somewhat interesting. Um, And then just before, in about the July before I was coming to university, i was like i actually don't have a passion for this i don't really know why i'm doing this and i went through um all the different courses on online um and i was like if i had to pick up a book in my spare time what subject would i want to read about and i went through and i was like you know what i find psychology really interesting and i would ha- happily read about that in my spare time so i um I so I emailed the uni and I was like, is there any way I can change my course of psychology? I've never done it before, but you didn't have to do it. Mm-hmm. Um and they were like, Yeah, of course. So and it was the best decision. So oh, yeah it's kind of a, a gradual change.
1: Good. Okay. Well, obviously the series is about role models near, and obviously we've invited you in because you've got um a story to tell and you've kind of overcome challenges and adversities. So do you want to tell our listeners a bit about kind of some of the struggles that you have overcome?
2: Yeah, of course. So kind of wind back till when I was about 10. Um, and I was in primary school, I was a very happy, gregarious, full of life, little girl. And that kind of changed when I went to high school. Um, I had gone, my my parents were divorced. And um, for a long time, it was just me, my mum and my brother. Um, and then my mum got remarried. And my stepdad has two kids and then my mum had, um, my mum and stepdad had another child. So we went from a family of three to a family of seven. Um, and I kind of, I felt really out of control in my life, basically. Um, my, I, and I'd gone to high school and I didn't know where I fitted in. And so kind of my home life, I felt out of control. I'd gone to high school and I'd got, I'd been in this cozy little primary school. Um, and there was like 30 people in my class to a y- going to a year of 180, and I just felt lost and out of control, and i don 't really know what switched in my head, but I kind of felt like I needed a way to kind of get through life and cope. I think i'd always been that stereotypical like good little girl, and I was near was always fine, um, and i didn 't feel fine inside, um, and i didn 't know how to express that and I turned to food, um, yeah and again, like i don 't remember it being a conscious thing, it just kind of happened, and I started restricting my food. Um, and with restriction I kind of I felt gave me a sense of being in control when everything around me was feeling so out of control I felt in control over my food and my weight it kind of gave me this numbing feeling as well like I just it numbed off all the pain and all the difficulties and um, that's kind of how I lived for a couple of years I just had um, my life revolved around the food that I was going to eat, what I wasn't going to eat, how much exercise I was gonna do. Um, and this was really tied up in schoolwork as well. I was such a perfectionist and kind of gained a lot of self esteem from my work um and would just work bonkers hours. And yeah, that was kind of a lot of my high school experience. I I look back now and I see how like how small my life was back then. Like I really didn't appreciate it at the time. Um, but I really didn't have a huge amount of friends. I, you know, I wasn't doing like my life now like I wasn't doing a huge amount I was just kind of getting going through the motions and just really disconnected and cut off and you know it served its purpose it got me through those those painful difficult emotions and but it got to a point where it kind of stopped working and it wasn't giving me that that relief that it had provided me to begin with and it was having a really detrimental effect on my mental health and on my physical health um And I think at the beginning, people kind of praised me for it, you know, I'd lost weight and people were like, this is brilliant. Well, not this, well, in the society that we live in, you know, Mm. it was like, oh, look at Nia. Um, And then I think then people started to worry and realize, okay, this actually isn't very healthy. Um, And I think I was so desperately trying to show that I wasn't okay with my body because I was unable, I didn't have the words to tell people I wasn't okay. And that, that helps in this weird way that like I could show people that I wasn't okay just by the way I looked and it got to my final, it got to my GCSE year at school and it just, I hit a rock bottom, um, physically, um, and and mentally, um, my family intervened and I ended up going to CAMS, which is um, children and adult mental health services, um, basically to cut a long story short. And they, um. I saw a dietitian and I saw a, 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 ther- a, a therapist and a psychiatrist and they basically put me on a weight gain plan. Um, and I didn't want to get well, you know, like as, as, as painful as my, as my anorexia was and as painful as it was seeing putting like seeing the distress that I was causing to everyone around me, it, I couldn't let it go you know it kind of got me through this period of time and it, it convinced me that I needed it and that nothing else in the world was more important than my eating disorder mm. and to let go of that like I was just unwilling to do it but I realized I couldn't go carry on going the way I was you know like all my all my um, everything was being stripped away from me you know I was like they were like you're not allowed to do any exercise if you carry on going the way you are you won't be able to go to school and I didn't want that you know and I could just see the pain I was causing my family and I thought right we're going to give this a go um to try and get everyone off my back (laughs) you know I'll gain some weight and then I'll and then I can go back and live my life and that's kind of the mentality I went into it I also really wanted to sit my GCSEs and I was aware that you know I, I couldn't sit them if with the way that I was going and um I, and I had all the physical, um, side effects of being a really low weight, um, and and not to go into them, but you know, that was, that was really Mm. causing, um, me a lot of pain. Um, and so I did gain some weight and I got everyone off my back and, um, I sat my GCSEs, um, and then I decided to move sixth form. And the first couple of months at sick form, I kind of had a bit of a new lease of life. I kind of was no longer the person that I was at high school Um, and I could kind of recreate myself a bit and I felt more confident in who I was. I felt less like I needed a way to cope. Um, I had a bit of like, I had a little bit of recovery and that kind of got me through a bit, a bit of time. And probably I'd say like the first two months at sixth form were, were good and I actually for the first time wanted to get better for myself like the whole the whole time before that I wanted to get well for my family I wanted to get well because I hated to see the pain that I was putting them through and then something changed and I was like you know what there actually is a life out there and there is a life for me and and I, and I want to do this for myself um and so I was kind of starting to do things a bit for me and rather than at the beginning when I was gaining weight everything was you know I would rely on my mum to serve me all my meals and sit there and eat with me and it wasn't it was it wasn't a um it wasn't me taking initiative at all and I kind Mm. of think okay right I need to do something about this anyway I'm rambling um we it something switched in my head and um after a couple of months of, of feeling a bit better um I just flipped into bulimia um, and I think that was because like the thoughts in my head were still there and I hadn't found a way to deal with them um, and for me my bulimia was so painful, um, I felt so out of control, my anorexia had made me feel really in control and what I was striving for and kind of with my bulimia I felt so out of control and, can't, and it came with huge highs and lows um, and I had been a really functioning anorexic Mm -hmm. but I felt like on days where I'd been binging and purging all day like the next day where it felt impossible to get out of bed um and I I got really low and this this went on for about a year and a half um and despite how painful it was the really warped thing I think about mental health is that like despite how painful and distressing they are they can kind of convince you that actually like this is all, this is life as you know it. And I think there's comfort in that and letting that go felt so scary. And I, and I, I didn't really want to let it go. And I was hit, you know, I was in one way I thought I could, I could hide it quite well, you know, I was a, a normal weight. Um, but in another way, I think, you know, I, I look back now and, and I don't, didn't really hide it. And it was distressing for people around me and, and, you know, my mum kept going on about maybe we should talk, we should talk to someone. And I was like, no, it's fine. I can do this. I can do this. And it just got to a point where I decided I didn't want to, didn't want to binge and purge anymore. And I couldn't stop. And that scared me so much because I just was just like, this is now absolutely not what I want to do. And I can't stop. And I don't know how to stop. And it kind of got to a point for me where I was just like, I either, Like I got, like, I either throw myself into recovery or like this life isn't worth living anymore. Um, and I remember going, I went to, I went for an assessment, um, at treatment center and they, I started there as a day patient and they said, right, we'll start you off for three weeks. And I thought, okay, perfect. This was in my final year at sixth form is in the Christmas holidays I was like I'll do three weeks here I'll do my Christmas holidays I'll then get rid to school I'll be fine do my A-levels anyway six months later <laughs> I left um and I ended up leaving school um there was no way I could kind of give my all to recovery and do my A-levels um and that was really painful um I think i had been you know I had been really academic and I'd always wanted to go to university and then that was taken away from me, and I look back now and I'm so grateful that I kind of was able to give my give myself permission to give recovery my all. Um, but when all my all my friends around me were going and doing their A levels and going off to university and I was sat in a treatment center, it didn't feel fair and it didn't feel right, and I couldn't understand the logic behind it anyway i um those six months were arguably like the most difficult um, but most most rewarding and painful. Uh, months of my life Um, and it recovery was far from an overnight job you know it wasn't just a those six months in I Mm. was cured Um, I kind of thought it would be when I decided I wanted to get better and I got some help it would just be like that but unfortunately it wasn't and that was um five years ago I think yeah this time last year this time five not this time five years ago Mm. Um, and it has been a work in progress and and today you know like I came out of treatment and I took a, a few more I went back to school and I did my A levels and then I took a year out and then I went to university and um you know today I have this life that I never thought was possible and and recovery uh, I for me I think recovery is something that I will always work on it's not like I'm fixed and you know that doesn't feel like a life sentence today that feels I feel like I have tools to get through life that so many people don't and I think I am actually grateful that I had my eating disorder to kind of hit that rock bottom um, and have to learn other ways to get through life. Because I think so many people kind of bumble their way through life um, and go through all this distress and they don't know, don't have the tools to cope. And you know, today I have been given those things. Um, and I feel so free from my eating disorder today. And I never ever thought that I would have the freedom that I do. Um, so yeah, I kind of feel like I've gone full circle um and I wouldn't say that I'm back to the the person that I was before I think I'm um I've got bits of her back but I think I'm a much braver and wiser person than than Mm. that little girl so yeah
1: (laughs) I mean it sounds like you've been on quite a journey Neo. is that how it feels do you feel that it's been a journey or does it feel
2: um does it feel different to that it definitely feels like a journey. Um, mm-hmm. I hate, sometimes hate using that word it's a journey or yeah. um, but no, no, it one hundred percent feels like a journey. and I think, you know, like I a massive thing for me is like I kind of assumed that life was linear and your journey would be really straightforward and there's one path and everyone takes that path and at school you know you're like you're told you go to school and then you go to high school and then you get sick form you go to college and then you go to university and then you get a job and then you buy a house and and for me you know that was that was what I thought everyone's journey in life was and learning that actually like that is not how life works you know life is not linear education is not linear taking a year out that's so fine um and I had never kind of allowed myself to believe that um or really seen other people do it or heard about other people doing that so I think yeah I definitely think that and I still remind myself that I think coming out of university it feels a bit daunting I don't know what the next step is but you know in life there isn't one set path and there isn't one right way of doing it and I think that's a really important thing to remember and I think that's what this whole experience has showed me that you know I eventually I've ended up where I wanted to it just took a few sidetracks and that's okay and with those with those sidetracks I've I've learned so much and I've gained so much and I wouldn't change that so yeah definitely I mean, been a journey
1: <laughs> yeah I mean some of our listeners obviously some may be able to relate to what you're saying others um may not because I think often there's a perception um when it comes to anorexia and bulimia that you know those individuals are suffering in terms of you know their perceptions of their body image for example and we know that social media has been attributed a lot to kind of body image and how individuals feel about themselves is that how did you ever feel that way was it ever something about how you looked or was it as you said earlier kind of being able to control something in your life
2: yeah for me I think that's such a a bit of a warped perspective on what eating disorders are, you know, like Mm. I think sometimes I think it's often thought, you know, it's people just striving to look good. Um, and I, and for me, like that wasn't my experience and I know quite a few people in recovery and like that wasn't their experience. And I I don't want to generalize, but, um, my eating disorder was my solution to life. You know, it was my way to cope. Um, and yes, there's external factors on it or like wanting to look good and that played into it. But actually, above all, it was a way to kind of get through and it was a way to feel in control. And it was a way to numb feelings, um, a way to reward myself, a way to punish myself. You know, there's so much underlying stuff in food, you know, it's so far from the way it makes us look. Um, mm. and I, and like, I think that I definitely, you know, uh, throughout my recovery and occasionally it pops up now, you know, when I think, Oh God, I feel, feel really uncomfortable in my body or I feel fat. And then I'm, I have to remember, and this is what my, my recovery journey has shown, that like fat is not a feeling. You know, there's there's something, there's a feeling under there. And it's easier for me to put that feeling on, oh, to put discomfort on the feeling of being fat, where generally there's some some, I might be sad, I might be anxious, but feeling those things is more difficult than thinking I feel fat. So I think sometimes it's easier to pin Our feelings onto kind of physical things, you know. It's like, oh, I feel stressed about, uh, I don't know, money or um, an exam or something. And of course, they're all valid, valid feelings. But sometimes it's like, okay, what's actually going on underneath that? Like, what's the bigger thing? Um, And I think that can kind of get a bit lost with eating disorders. Like, yes, maybe they did start in a pursuit to to look good or to be slim. But the thing with eating disorders, they go to such an extreme length. That if it was just to look good, your head and your brain would take over and be like, okay, we've reached a point now where we, we this isn't healthy, this isn't good for us. Um, you wouldn't keep going. And I think that's, that's, that's the difference between people wanting to look good and losing a bit of weight and an eating disorder because it's so extreme and it's so addictive and it's not a case of deciding, okay, I just don't want to do this anymore. Um, so yeah, I definitely think there's an element to it that you know societal put, society puts this pressure on us and isn't and I think some people start with that intention mm. and then they get sucked in and they realize that actually they they can their eating disorder is providing them with a lot more and they can't stop so I don't think it's kind of the cause for an eating disorder enduring but again like this is my experience and mm. and people might have a slightly different one
1: Okay Um, and to any of our listeners if you do um, feel that you can relate to some of what Nia is saying around um, eating disorders or in terms of um, mental health challenges do seek the support available um, via your institutions, via your doctors and also there is lots of um, charities online that will be able to uh, provide support and guidance So one of the things, Nia, that's often been discussed, particularly around kind of mental health and when individuals are struggling, is the shame of asking for help. And it's kind of, I'm suffering. I want to suffer in silence, or you know, I don't want to tell other people what I'm going through because I feel embarrassed. What would you say to that?
2: Um, I would say first of all, I really, really relate. Um, I definitely struggled with it. Um, I thought that people wouldn't believe believe it. I felt it's really hard when um, when it's not physical you know it's not like I can say look this is all the pain that I was going through I felt that if I shared it it might be undermined and then I wouldn't be able to validate it um so yeah first of all I really get it um second of all um I have learned that through asking for help and talking to other people about it that there are so many of us out there suffering, you know, I think that the thing is like one in four people are suffering. And actually, the more I've opened up to people, the more they said, you know what, Nia, like, I've actually felt that too, or I've actually had this struggle. And that that has been so, I found that so empowering to actually open up and say, look, this is what I'm going through. And then someone else being like, yeah, I totally get that. Um, I would also just say that you know your your mental health is just as important as your physical health, and having these struggles doesn 't make you crazy it doesn 't make you mad you know it 's such a normal thing and I think that we are living through such difficult times at the moment and to not to not find things difficult and not to struggle I, I think that that 's kind of less common these days um, mm. and and it 's valid you know whatever you're feeling is valid, and I think that 's really important, and no one can take that away from you. And I found, there's a, there's a quote that I really like, that you can't think your way out of your own thinking. And for me, I spent a long time in my head thinking about my thoughts and thinking, okay, well, if I do this or will think like this, or if I could just do that, I could get better. And for me, that never worked. And I opened my mouth up. Um, and A, it helps sometimes rationalize the thoughts in my head, but it also kind of um, took a bit of power out, out of them. And I, and I think that, I would never ever have got well without without um asking for help and and talking about it um and I have never had a, no one has ever um said anything bad or have I faced any kind of like stigma or someone's told me I'm weird you know I I've all, I've got just unresounding like positive you know feedback from it um so yeah it's it's scary it's really difficult um but we're all out there facing the same thing and it will be the most worthwhile thing you've um, you've done, you do. And I think start small, you know, sometimes just, you know, being able to say, even if it's just to a family member or a friend, look, I'm finding this a bit tricky, you know, you don't need to say, oh, um, th- every- tell them everything that's going on. Um, and I actually sometimes found it more helpful to talk to someone I didn't know about it, Um, I was less worried about being judged. And when I kind of had the confidence of having those conversations with people I didn't know, then having the conversations with the people closer to me became easier. So it was kind of something like I found that the more I did, the more practice I got, the easier it was to do.
1: And uh, during your journey, Nia, or kind of uh, over the course of um, your life so far, who are the positive role models that you've looked up to that have kind of, I
2: guess, helped you on your journey? I think first first thing that comes to mind of my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny when you go through. I think as a child, you look at your parents and you just think they've got everything sorted. You know, they're these these. The, you put them on a pedestal and you think they haven't. I assume my parents had just ridden through life and it all been really easy. They both got good jobs. You know, um, <clears throat> they're both happy and they've got these children and they've got this house. And as I got up, grown up, I've realized that actually, like, they have gone through all so many difficulties, too. And they've come out the other side, and they're there, and they're supporting me and my brothers. um, And I think that the unconditional love that they have shown me, um, which I'm so, so grateful for, um, has been so inspiring, you know, that despite all the difficulties that they've been through. They, they put that aside um, and were there, was there to support, support me, but also at the same time, and and this was something, a big thing in my recovery that my mum, my mum learned that, you know, at the points of my recovery, she kind of gave up her life for me and that led her to quite a, a negative space. And actually she then took measures to look after herself. And that was really inspiring because when I was really sick, I was seeing my mum looking after herself and looking after her mental health. And I thought, okay, this is I need to do that. Um so yeah, I think my parents are, are great sources of inspiration, you know, their their get up and go attitude and and not giving up, you know, despite everything that they've been through. Um and just kind of their unselfish unselfish nature. No, selfless um, nature of just um of, of being there to su- support me despite it also yeah that they're they're big role models in my life and I'm just surrounded by some really really supportive friends and they I'd say they're big role models um I've met quite a lot of people through recovery and I hear some horrendous stories and some really sad stories and there are these people that have been through so much adversity and they've kept carry on going and they have this life today um where they're, they're free from whatever whatever struggles that they face and it's not always easy but they they get through it and and they they live their life to the fullest given that given the cards that they were dealt with and I and I find that really inspiring so yeah there's a kind of my 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 parents mm. and my friends which might be a bit of a cop-out but yes to name to name one person feels a bit tricky and <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: and you know you've obviously gone through your own adversity near and kind of you've you know gone through a, a really difficult time and you've kind of turned things around um, you've put coping mechanisms in place and you've actively um used various platforms to share your story with the aim to kind of helping others and kind of reassure others and this series is focused on role models how do you feel being put under that umbrella and being a
2: role model for others um, I feel a bit of an imposter <laughs> um uh no I guess I it feels such a privilege. I feel um Incredibly proud. It's funny, like despite having been in recovery for about five years, I feel I can still remember the the really dark places like it was yesterday, and to kind of think back then and think that you know I'm now in a place where I'm I'm no longer just getting through life, you know, and I'm doing it and I'm living life to the fullest and hopefully inspiring a few along the way, and that just I'm I it feels funny to kind of, it's so against my nature to be like, yeah, I'm feeling quite proud of myself, but actually just to give myself a bit of a pat on the back and, you know, I made it. Um, and yeah, I feel so, yeah, I feel proud. I feel privileged. Um, and it, and it kind of, it's what gets me up in the, in the morning, you know, mm. it's that, like, I feel like I want to use the things that I went through and the pain that, that I experienced to to help someone else, you know, and if I can help one person, that makes it all worthwhile.
1: And I think it's great that you feel that way, Nia. And I, th- I just think you are, you know, really inspirational, you are helping others. And I think you know you've overcome some real challenges, but you know, look at you, listen to what you said to us at the start around what you want to do in terms of your career. And you know, you've really kind of turned things around. And um, I'm just mindful we are coming to the end of our time together. But before we wrap up, if you had to go back to being say 16,
2: what one bit of advice would you give to yourself? Oh, that's a tricky one. Um, I think I would say something along the lines that, you know, that life isn't always easy um, and that emotions can be incredibly, incredibly painful, but they won't kill you. And just like everything in life, they will pass. Um, that that you don't need to suffer when you're alone and, and you're not a burden for struggling. Um, and that there are so many people out there that want to help you um so just don't ever suffer in silence I think that would be my if I could go back and tell my 16 year old self I think um, <laughs> we would have avoided a lot of pain
1: <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us on the student sessions today Nia and for sharing your story and your experience with our listeners
2: no worries it's been such a pleasure thank you so much
1: and to our listeners do join us again on the student sessions
0: Thanks for listening to the Student Sessions brought to you by Greyhair Media and hosted by Tonya Galati. Never miss an episode by subscribing. And if you like what you've heard today, why not leave a review and please tell your friends. We'll see you at the next session.